Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. Um, we're taking a break from talking about uh, Steve Agnew um, to have a chat uh, about the current affairs uh, at Sunderland Football Club. And even though um, it should feel as though nothing is happening, um, things still do. Um, we're joined um, myself, Gareth Barker, and Chris Weatherspoon. Um, Hello. We're joined. Hi, Chris. Uh, we're joined by uh, Tom White, who um, was a lifelong Sunderland fan, and you may obviously recognise him from Sky Sports News and the like. Hello, Tom. Hello, how are you? Hot. Yes. It, it's really been, hot. It's been, uh, it, da, da, I don't know what it's been like up there, but da, down here, 33 degrees today. Yeah, spicy. Yeah. The, uh, the the sun we got the back of the house gets the sun and this is where the room is. It gets the sun in the evening and like it's just the room I'm recording in is absolutely roasting. Yeah. So I've got some beers here. I think the tops are gonna pop off. Um, <laughs> but uh, talk, talking about things popping off, um, we should probably get onto the retain list initially since that's probably the big news of the week. And there's a few people who have popped off. Um, Looking at it now, um, <laughs> the players over age 24 um, who we've retained uh, are Aidan McGeady, Charlie White, Chris Maguire, who signed a new contract, Conor McLaughlin, John Willis, Josh Scohan, Grant Ledbetter, Lee Burge, Luke O'Nine, Lyndon Gooch, Max Power, and Will Grigg. Um, we offered Tom Flanagan a contract, we're still waiting, um, and John McLaughlin has gone. Um, Obviously, there's a few of the younger players who will sit within the under 24s, under 24 brackets. So people like Denver Hume, um, you know, would come into that category. Um, and obviously, we've made a few offers for some of the other younger players. Um, and you know, Barley Mumba sits within that bracket who we'll get onto uh, next. But you know, any any surprises in you know that group that. Um, we have retained or any surprises you know of, of players we've just decided you know not to bother with so to speak no I, <laughs> I'm not I haven't been surprised by any I mean John McLaughlin it's no surprise that we we tried to keep him but it did look like he was always going to go um, which is a shame but I've got to admit I think that I, didn't, I don't think Lee Burge did anything wrong when he came in for McLaughlin was unlucky to lose his place Um and I'm just looking at the, the squad here. I've, I've written it down. Burge and Patterson, the two goalkeepers. So we will need to bring in a goalkeeper, whether it's first choice or backup. Because, well, Parkinson's already said that he sees Patterson as going out on loan. Two right-backs, Luke O'Neill and Conor McLaughlin. Now, Parkinson, I don't think he's even played Conor McLaughlin. So you'd imagine, yeah. you'd imagine he might go, which only leaves O'Neill. Left-back, there's only Denver Hume. Centre-back, there's... Definitely Jordan Willis, that's brilliant. Probably, I'm saying probably rather than possibly Tom Flanagan. And I'm hoping Bailey Wright. All right, so best case scenario, there's three there. So we'd need one more centre-back. We'd need one more left-back. In terms of midfielders, Dobson, Scowen, Ledbetter and Power, we've definitely got enough defensive midfielders. We need one attacking midfielder in there. Um, and wingers, Gooch, Embleton, McGeady. Um, I'd say as a number 10 Maguire then you've got Wyke and Grigg so a lot of holes to fill there because you've got an attacking midfielder at least one winger because you'd think McGeady might go so that would be two and he might prefer Embleton in the middle uh, Grigg said he wants to leave so that leaves Wyke and you'd think you need two more strikers 
So it could be very, very busy, but in terms of surprises, wasn't surprised by McLaughlin. Not surprised that Maguire's staying. I would be surprised if Flanagan does go, um, but everything else, I would say, I was expecting. We were expecting um, uh, Robson to go, Chris. Um, I was Ethan I Robson. I, yeah, I think I was probably expecting it. Whether whether I'm happy with it is another another issue. I would say. I think. Um, I suppose there was kind of the caveat is that we didn't actually know how long Scowham had been signed on for. Like I think it was up until yeah. this week it was reported he was here for just till the end of the season. It turns out he's actually he signed a year and a half deal when he came in January. So I think that does skew it a bit. I mean, to to me, um, to be to be fair to Scowham, actually we haven't seen a lot of him, um, and I would like to think we'll we'll see a lot more next year. Um, but well, I mean, given that if if that Bristol Rovers game was the last game of football this... like we ever see because of the coronavirus, <laughs> then um, that that <laughs> that uh, Scowan performance but, in midfield might was... be the worst, the worst yeah, of all, any midfielder of all time. I yeah. mean, he was absolutely horrific. I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to surprise you. I, I, I went to that Bristol Rovers game and I honestly didn't think Scowan was as bad as what people really? made out. I don't think he I don't think he was that bad. His passing was slightly off, but thing is, passing is not his game. The reason that QPR didn't want him, the, the fans liked him. But Warburton is very much a modern manager who wants the ball on the deck, play out from the back. And Scowan, who can do a lot, his one issue is that he's not really, you know, he's not a bad passer of the ball, but it's not one of his fortes. I don't think he played that bad. And I think that he is going to be a key player next season. But it wouldn't actually surprise me if, if he's got a year left on his contract, it wouldn't surprise me if, a bid came in and we actually let him go oh, yeah. because he That's... actually because he actually is one of the if you look at that squad a lot of them aren't worth that much money I think that Scowan with a year to go actually is worth a little bit of money um, but I, I'm, I'm I was glad we signed him I'm glad we've still got him um, and I don't think he was as bad as, as, as other people <laughs> think against Bristol Rovers but everyone that was awful <laughs> that was one of the worst games I've ever seen us play um, I think we had one shot on target, which was, I'm not even sure if Lafferty was trying to head it back across goal, but it ended up going on target into the goalkeeper's arms. It was an awful game, but still, I am, I'm still a fan and positive about Scammon. <laughs> I think um, the best part of that Bristol Rovers game is that Kyle Lafferty's spell on rear side ended with him getting <laughs> yeah. hauled off at half time before he got yeah. himself sent off for planting. A centre back from Bristol Rovers. Um, no, yeah. I think on this. Sorry, just like on the Scowan point, I think like the reason like I would like to see more of him is because I, I don't think we ha- I don't think we really have seen enough of him. And I think like look like he's, he's dropped down a division um, and he was playing regularly in the championship. So you would you would hope he's more than good enough for this division kind of thing. And I think going back to the initial point, Gareth, like Robson, my my opinion is and like this is an opinion that I've had like throughout the last two years is, is that we should be giving kids who've come through more of an opportunity now the argument with Robson might be look he hasn't he hasn't proven himself good enough or whatever like my my argument is I don't really ever think he's been given the run or being given the opportunity so I think I wasn't surprised that he went and I think the fact 
the as Tom's just listed there, the number of midfielders we've got on the books, I think it's probably again not not really a surprise. But I, I was I was a little bit um, disappointed. I think um, th- to be honest, the, the, one of the biggest surprises, which is going to sound silly, but it was actually Onayan because he's signed a contract extension that was never actually officially announced. <laughs> Yeah, you know yeah. what? I've had that conversation with loads of people. People keep yeah. saying, were saying to me, "Yeah, yeah, O is definitely staying." So, well, they've never announced it, and actually, yeah. that would be a bit of that would be a bit of good news for the fans. So, why wouldn't they announce it? So, I think that's a fair point on O on O It's obviously gone for some reason. They decided to do it silently. But Ethan Robson, I, I agree with you, Chris. I um, in the championship, what did he do wrong? In fact, he did he did pretty much everything right I think he's he's a good passer of the ball he can um, he strikes the ball well uh, when he's shooting he's, he's not got a great deal of pace and although he's tall he's not that strong um, but I, I think sometimes we discard players too early and, well, that, and I agree and John Egan we discarded too early Conor Hurahan funnily enough Egan fair enough at the time I didn't know much about him Conor Hurahan I said will regret letting him go and look at him now, he's in the Premier League, a regular yeah. in the Premier League. He is a Premier League midfielder. John Egan is a Premier League centre-back. There was no reason for us to let them go. And I think, I've always thought that we might regret letting Tommy Robson go, the young left-back. Now, in fairness, you know, he, he hasn't gone at the heights I expected, but I think in time we'll, we'll regret Ethan Robson. Yeah, I think... I, I, I'm, I don't know, I'm not... I think Ethan Robson... He was bad or anything. But... I think... think? I think even even if it's just bottom end of the championship, I, look, I don't think he's I mean, worthy. How old, but even how if it's old just is bottom he? End of the, the, the thing is, I, I get your point on that, Gareth. But you know, like this argument, like how old is he and how many like how many games has he played or whatever. But that presupposes that the club are like actually developing these players, right? And I think as Tom said there, like this this isn't just under this regime. Like we've gone back years where, like, the, there's been very. And, and it's a bit more mitigating because you're in the Premier League and it's harder, but there hasn't really been a pathway to the first team. Now, I mean, this, this ship is very much sailed, but in my opinion, um, like, I look at the, the team that started, or the squad that started. Can you remember that last game against Wolves when Donald and Methven were there? They'd just been announced that they were going to take over. I'm sure there was like seven or eight young kids in the in the squad kind of thing. Well, Molyneux... Yeah, made his uh, debut, didn't he? Played quite well, actually. Yeah, no, he um, did. And, and people will go, well, he's at Hartlepool now. But it, it, there's there's a difference between looking at the players on an individual basis and looking at the players who have played together over a number of years, who know each other over a number of years. So, like, for example, uh, Denver Hume and Lyndon Gooch, like, we'll all agree, like, back at the start of this year, they were probably the, the two most key players in our team that we were playing. Now, they played together at like a young level sort of thing before. Like, I know like different sides of the pitch or whatever, but it it's kind of I think we had an opportunity to really like to really utilize like the youth squad that we had, and unfortunately it's been like completely frittered away. And it, it does feel I mean I know we're going to come on to it a bit later on with the Bali Mumba news, but it does feel like it it feels like it's kind of this season come coming is going to be more the same. It's going to be more of we're not really gonna add. We're not really gonna uh, keep. Tr- we're not gonna try with the youth that we've got, and we're, we're just gonna keep adding like people who know the division, who are. Oh, he's sorry. St- Stephen has rocked up in the middle. Can he hear us? Does it? I was mid monitor on that. I am here. 
Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for waiting. I've given you some material, haven't I? Stephen, can you just no, tell everyone... No, I haven't everyone, even thought about you. Can you just Didn't tell everyone you how turn up. you are? 43 minutes? <laughs> Which is longer or about the time a podcast should be, really. Yeah. <laughs> Going off data and off figures. Um, but, you know, my computer decided to do some updates. Well, first my curry was nearly an hour late. So then I thought, right, I'll smash this in 10 minutes. And then the computer started doing updates, which took ages. Unbelievable. I'm like never off my laptop because I'm working from home. And then it decides to do updates now. Never so mind. Is, is it everyone else's fault, basically? I'm not saying it's anybody else's fault, but I'm trying to dissolve as much blame for uh, myself as possible. Well, you, you'll get a job technology. on the board at this rate. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Might be you next, Tom. <laughs> it's, a, it's a talent pool, isn't it? The Sky Sports Studios for uh, non-executive directors. Well, yeah, that's it. Well, I'd, 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 def- I'd definitely take your job. I'd, I'd probably probably be a social secretary. That is probably the only thing that I'd, I'd be good at. I'd, I'd take it. On, on those young players that you were saying, Chris, who've, who were kind of given a very brief chance in the first team, if, if you look at, if you think about them, we were talking about Ethan Robson, all right, there was. Um, I was a big fan of Luke Molyneux. Um, I wouldn't have let him go. I think he had he, he had enough talent to certainly be in the squad and, and grow as a player. Um, we know what happened with Joel Azoro, but at least we got some money for him. And he, I don't know what's gone wrong with him, but he has gone downhill big style. And we all know about Madja. Um, and there's there's others as well. At least Human Gooch is still here and still playing. Um, Mumba is is going as well, and I, I think that we didn't need to have a huge squad, and we certainly could have had. Let's say we had eighteen senior players. You could have had another five who've all come from the academy to fill out the squad, and they would have yeah. improved and potentially become first team players. But I, I think that that's the same in every club. That by the way, this isn't just a criticism of Sunderland. This happens a lot. But I. All of those players that I mentioned, some of them we couldn't help. We had to let them go. But I would much prefer to have homegrown players or from the players from the academy as squad players than players who might have cost two hundred or three hundred thousand pounds. I think that's the point. I think like kind of you don't really you shouldn't really have to spend money down here anyway. But if you're bringing kids through and that, you're like I know we're not paying our big well for most players we're not paying our big wages, but. Um, like if you've got kids coming through and that they're going to be they're going to be already signed up and that they're not going to have magic is probably an exception but they're not going to have as high demands and that and it's just it feels like they took the approach and it feels like i've just said there but it feels like they're taking that approach again in that oh well we'll sign we'll sign players who are like mid to late 20s or even like not in 30 sort of thing um who know the league who know the division like i'm pretty sure they, they kind of said in the first season here that they were like well, we've signed players who've won this division and it's kind of like well I get that but if you actually want to build something which I don't really believe they ever did but the club should be looking to build something and, and there was an opportunity there to, to use the academy and to use the players from the academy and, it, and it's just it's just gone completely out the window and like I say I know we're going to come on to Mumba but that's just it's, it's just another example and I just find it really disappointing because I, I feel like Look, we could be wrong, and I know we're going to talk about like potential targets and stuff. But I would be surprised if the approach to recruitment is any different to what we've seen in the last two years. I think I think when you if you think back to the Premier League years when we had some young players who people want to see come in, 
um, and it was always the issue was well we can't blood these players now because yeah because we're in the Premier League because we're in a relegation we're in a relegation battle and now we've almost got a ridiculous sort of sort of other end of the spectrum thing where it's like well we can't risk chucking these kids in now and putting that pressure on because we need to sign supposedly proven League One players who've been promoted before to try and get us out of the division as soon as possible Mm. so I see. What, I, I I agree to an ex. I agree with what Tom says, and that you need a, a mix in there. But I think it's all it's abundantly clear that you know the ownership are flying by the seat of the pants the vast majority of the time, and you know, and in that risk, that is even reflected last last summer, where after failing to sort of get promoted in, in the playoff final, you know, we the reason obviously we didn't make a sign until what July. First of July was, was the first activity. First of July was the first transfer activity. Um, obviously because of um, the Mark Campbell situation, um, so it's. I mean, we, we've you know, known, we've known for ages that there's no there's no strategy now, and and they just seem to be trying to to recoup money to try and keep the club ticking over. But this this Mumba business is the one marker where it's abundantly clear now. They can't hide behind anything. They can't come out and, in my opinion, and justify or put any kind of spin. On accepting a bit of three hundred and fifty thousand pounds for Barley Mumba, who played for the t- played for the first team when he was sixteen, who was played for England at numerous underage levels, when the sole jewelers are over two million pounds, they could argue, well, that's a good price for somebody who hasn't really cut the cut the teeth yet. He's not that happy on here, and they could spin that, couldn't they? They they, ca- they can't tell somebody tell me how well, you can rationalise or. You can't. or, or you, you can't, can you? So you're this, this, I mean, they're not they're almost not even trying anymore. Well, the thing, well, is, well, the thing spot... is that they try, they try to spin, they try to spin the other young players that they've sold, didn't they? But well, they've tried. Yeah, so the thing that's is, they've tried spin the other so they, this is the first time. Oh well, there's nothing we can. There's nothing. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm talking about the young players we've sold this season. So from, you know, further down the food chain where we sold 16 year old kids. Yeah, and, and, they've, and they've said, oh well, there's nothing we can. There's nothing we can do about that. It's like if the. You know, if they if they approach and the parents want the kid to leave or the kid wants to leave, we can't do anything to stop them, which we know is a load of rubbish. And that that's now extended into the situation with Mumba, where he's a you know essentially a first team player. He played in the remember in that Cheshire game, yeah, it was against against Newcastle. Yeah, he was the best young player on the pitch. Yeah, he was. The thing is uh, with Stephen, what you said there, like they can't they can't even pretend. They definitely can't because it's like they're damned by their own words. Like I've got it here when. When Mumba signed his new deal, which he did in that summer, uh, after, when these when these owners arrived, Stuart Donald said, "Congratulations! The hard work begins now. Well done, Barley. I'm sure the fans like me cannot wait to watch your development over the coming years. So, why? In, Maybe why? he meant on much of the day by watching. <laughs> well, exactly. Day, yeah. uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, the tweet cut off there, and it actually said at somebody else's club. But it's just like <laughs> how." This is this is the thing. This is like we all know the whole thing has unravelled from from what we were told in season one to what's what's going on now. But like this is, I think Stephen, you've nailed it there. Like this is the most obvious example yet that they're literally just doing anything they can. They keep ticking over, and there's no consideration for the long term future of the club. Like like I've seen people say, well, he's eating you. If he's that good, why is he not in the first team? Now somebody made it, somebody made a really good point, and, and this goes back to what I was saying before, Gareth, like about us actually 
providing that pathway and actually developing these players properly. But also, somebody made a point where they said at the same age, Jordan Henderson hadn't made an appearance for like England under 19s or whatever, or up to England under 19s. And Barley members, Barley Mumba has made 17 um, appearances for like England youth sides. Now, imagine, just imagine that we had got rid of Jordan Henderson at the same age. And I'm not saying he's going to become Jordan Henderson. It's very unlikely that he will. But we're not even giving these lads an opportunity. And right now, the, the pathway shouldn't, should never be shorter than right now because there's no, there shouldn't anyway be any downside risk. We shouldn't be expecting, we shouldn't be worried about getting relegated like we were in the Premier League. Like this is the time to give these lads a chance. But, but the problem, we all know that he's not being sold for footballing reasons. I was, it was so good I thought I would just let the silence play out there um, and let people reflect on that and also I, I didn't want to just start assuming I was taking over horses when I come late yeah, I didn't want to start yeah, just saying right moment. okay the, the conversation's going this way now the conversation's no, going you, that you way. can if you want we've talked about most well I don't know what you're talking about I might already bring something up I'll tell you what we haven't we haven't talked about we haven't talked about we haven't talked about McGlotton we haven't talked about Maguire in my opinion, retaining Maguire is a positive thing just because, mainly because um, last summer we removed basically a large amount of goals from our team. Um, well, not just last summer, but over the six months. And it had a, a detrimental effect. At least we've retained somebody who has a record of scoring goals and creating goals at, at this level. Um, and obviously, you know given the fact our squad's so depleted. I mean I know you were saying at the start, Tom, that you had a you'd noted down some um some players that you think, you know, are viable options. I mean, mm-hmm. is there anybody in attacking areas yeah, I, I, alongside I, I, I Maguire go... given obviously when over the squad the players who've disappeared. In the t- in the forward areas, obviously we'll get on McLaughlin later, but Yeah, yeah, I'll go through those. I mean in terms of keeping Maguire, that was the most obvious thing we, we could have done because He's so important to us and I know he often plays out wide but he's much better playing behind the striker and he en- it ends up being more like a 4-4-2 when he plays because he just does naturally drop a little bit like I suppose Beardsley would to Lineker, York would to Cole, um, what have you. He's so important, I'm, I'm delighted that he's staying and, we, and as fans we love him but in attacking areas, it, it, do you mean just strikers or do you mean wingers as well because I've, I've got quite well, a yeah, few well, here. We, we may, may as well give us the know, list. Talk give us the whole list. Yeah, well, I can this go through. Comes, this has been passed from Dave Jones under the table. This I'll very quickly go through every position in goal because I've I've already said that I'm actually happy with Lee Burge. I've only got um, Wes Fodderingham from Rangers yep. uh, down there. He's not needed because John McLaughlin's there, and they've got. Um, Alan McGregor. They've also got Jack Anik as well, and the other one there would be would be Ben Anik because it would be an easy one, um, and him coming back to the club. So in goal, I haven't needed to put too much thought into it. Right back, if if we assume that Conor McLaughlin goes, um, I've only got one target there because I'm absolutely adamant that he's he would make a huge difference for us. And everyone will say, no, no, he's too good for League One. But that's what everyone said about Jordan Willis last year, and we got him. Um, it's Perry. I actually don't know if it's pronounced Perry Ng or Perry Ing. I mean, his surname is Ng. Ng from yeah, Crew. Yeah. 
right back, right? He'll definitely leave crew this year. I don't see why he can't come to us. We don't need to give big wages. We just need to match anyone else in League One's wages because they'll come to our stadium and our academy, uh, our, our training facility. So, so Perry NG, Perry Ng, is, is right back in there. Uh, left back, we've already got Denver Hume. We need one more. I've got uh, Aaron Hickey from Hearts. They've just been relegated. Um, I've got uh, Zeke Friars from Swindon. Um, I don't see why we can't get him. There's James Husband from Blackpool. And I had a fourth left background written somewhere. Um, Can oh, I just oh, say, Dan, Tom, you've yeah. probably done more scouting than our entire recruitment team. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just, I was just thinking exactly the yeah. same thing. Oh, we'll I've, have, gone, I've gone through it all. Everybody, I, I do this Richard, every summer. Richard Hill and Tony Corton's notepads yeah. are overflowing as we speak. Yeah, good, good, good. <laughs> the other left back about there is Dan Butler from Peterborough. But they, there's, there's no reason why they would have to sell, especially if they yeah. get all the money they get for Ivan Tony. Um, centre-backs, it's quite feasible we only have Willis but even if we have Willis, Wright and Flanagan we need one more um, I've got John Souter from Hearts because they've been relegated Ryan Porteous um, from Hibs um, there's more than that as well I've got these all over the page here um, but, but those two would be <laughs> my first choice certainly John Souter anyway it's about, oh, F.A. Ambrose as well, um, he's still playing in Scotland, and he, he's not a bad player. He's he wouldn't be first choice, but he's he'd be all right. Um, I I think he would improve us. I don't think we need any defensive midfielders, but attacking midfielders, I have got uh, Ali Crawford um, from Bolton, who've been relegated. So why couldn't we have him? He wouldn't cost a, a great deal of money. Um, and I have got uh, Funz, Funzo Ojo who used to be at, at Scunthorpe uh, I've got him on there in terms of wingers I've got Jordan Jones who doesn't seem to be wanted by Steven Gerrard at Rangers I have obviously there's no way that you, you would allow me to not have Marcus Madison on there but it's just it's, <laughs> it's not going to happen I can, I can tell you that um, oh by the way in attacking midfield I've also got Lewis Ferguson as well um, and I loved Antoine Semenyo. I'd I'd like him back on loan. I'd, really? Yeah, I want him back on loan. If Bristol City go up, which they might, we can definitely have him back. If they don't go up, I think they might play him. And in terms of other strikers, Tyler Walker on loan, or that'd be a long shot because I think Forrest are going to play him. Um, Sam Cosgrove and Lawrence Shankland, um, two players who, although I'm desperate for pace in the side, they wouldn't add that. And just simply because it would be easy, Armin Nanwie as well, again, wouldn't add pace. But, but Tyler Walker would, um, would, would add some pace up there as well. Oh, there's one more centre-back as well, I've just missed out. George Edmondson, who could come on loan from Rangers. So every position we need, I've given a little shortlist there, but we need pace. The, I've heard of about two of them. So. Perry, Perry NG and Antoine Semenu would add the pace. But the player I want more than any of them is Johnson Clark-Harris. From Bristol Rovers, I don't yeah. see where we can't have him either. I don't think that is an unrealistic list, with the exception of Marcus Madison. I think that is, and I'm actually not that bothered about Marcus Madison. I think that list is realistic. The, um, I think there perhaps, was a lot of, I think, the, the, I think you're right there. Tyler Walker was the other name was jumping out to me. Where I think he's just gotten the Forest team, didn't he? Before the 
Yeah, he Before did. the lockdown, he scored twice for Lincoln against us, didn't he? Yeah. What about um, yeah. Smodix, yeah. who went on loan to Peterborough and scored a lot of goals? Yes, from was it from West Ham he was on loan? Yeah, I can't, I can't, I don't think it was West Ham. Sammy Schmodix, that's a good point. Sammy Schmodix, was it always Bristol City, I think he was on loan Right, but it, it, attacking midfielder who can play up front, so... Yeah, absolutely. He scored a lot of yeah, goals. Good point. And he, do you know that um, Moise's uh, brother, I think it is, who plays at Scunthorpe, who absolutely destroyed us in the uh, Checker Trades game. He looked quite handy as well. Um, <clears throat> but I'd say it's like you know, personally, it's not like you know when we're in the Premier League and you're watching a standard of football every week, where then you can see so many different players. You just don't see players at this level. Freak, like personally frequently enough to go like oh well you could say hand on heart say he would be a good sign or he would be a good signing because you know it's just it's obviously different for you Tom yeah. but like it is funny because I was like thinking exactly the same thing where Tom was saying but like where, where Tom's saying like you know given these names it is literally a case of like he's a uh, you know he's I'll be back in a minute my son's crying I'll be back in a minute <laughs> carry on without me yeah I yeah. didn't like the list. That, that, I was yeah, going to say that list ch- hasn't gone down very well. To do, yeah, yeah. Chance to do the meme. She is sons crying. No, I think. I think there were like Tom said. Like because John McLaughlin's Tom- gone. Yeah, we still haven't talked about it. Um, she is sons crying. There you go. I think. Uh, I think for me, like, we, we, going back to talk about Maguire, like, I, I know that when I first got announced, I was like, nah, meh, like, I'm not really that bad, but it, it isn't the case that I'm, like, thinking it's not good to have him. I think it is good to have him. I think what concerns me is that I have... <laughs> I have no faith that he won't be our best player next season, if you know what I mean, which, to me, would mean that everyone that we do bring in is going to be inferior to what we already... or to what we've previously had, which is kind of been the theme of... Trump's that shouldn't be That shouldn't be the case, regardless no, it shouldn't of what, be. what, what we be, all but... think of the owners and, and the... Re- and the recruitment, because I think the rationale Tom was using there when he was listing some of these players for the clubs to play for, and if a lot of them are going to be out of contract, no matter that, you know, we can see evidence stacking up before our eyes that the owners are just trying to recruit whatever the money they can, we should still, still be able to attract players ahead of other League One clubs, and it's still in their best interest that we get promoted. I fully agree, like, I mean, but the problem is I wasn't, I was only half kidding when I said Tom's done more research than our recruitment team. Like, I just think like you look at the the players we've signed even in the January. Like, I don't. I suppose Semenyo's sort of the exception, but I just, I just feel like we we keep we keep signing players of a certain age who have a certain level kind of thing, and it's it's very much like we we keep signing players who are very much League One players. Like, and even if they're like top end league one that it, it feels like that's the ceiling and really like the players we should be looking at are ones who who are going to progress and who are going to push on and look, look I could, could be completely wrong but I'll be honest I thought I mean when Rodwell came in he talked about like kind of changing up the recruitment and he, he, I know it's easy to pay lip service to but they all talk. do that they all yeah, do that but this is the thing this is what I mean it's easy to pay lip service to like talk about like data and analytics and that sort of thing but that kind of made me think well you know what actually if he turfs the current recruitment team who let's let's not like let's not make any bones about it they've, they've failed 
because they've had, as we've been repeatedly told, the biggest budget in this division's history, and we've managed to get worse in the time of being here. So I was thinking, well, if he, if he turfs them, which he might still, because let's be honest, like the world hasn't gone back to normal yet, and people are still on furlough or whatever, then yeah, like it might be a reason to be a bit up, more optimistic. I think, I think like the opportunity is there. The um, like you say, Steve, we sh- should still be like the biggest draw in this division. It's just like I, I keep going back to it, but last season Oxford signed. Um, at Fosu, who was a Charlton, he scored against us on the first day. Yeah, he's qu- he's quick. He's got a bit. He's got a bit about him. You you never you never sure what he's going to do, sort of thing. And I'm just looking. I think why why on earth aren't we in for players like that? We like this isn't again. This isn't just our this regime. Didn't, like for years. Did he don't leave? Seem to sign. Yeah, he left in January. They, they got a fortune. They he got did a, with um, him and um, uh, uh, Bo- what was he called? Baptiste. Uh, he was a. Is it Baptiste? Baptiste. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. I think they went to Brentford. Midfielder. Did they go to Brentford? Both went to Brentford. Yeah, both yeah. went to Brentford, yeah. Who in Brent and Brentford bear in mind are one of the best clubs in the country for kind of like recruitment and finding value sort of thing. So Oxford were obviously doing something right. And I and I just look and I just think, you know what, like still we've still got that opportunity now. And it's just it's just a case of are we are we going to take it like look like it, it would be unfair to say categorically that we're not, but we haven't seen any changes yet that suggest we will. It'd be interesting to Tom when when do you expect clubs as far down as Sunderland in the football pyramid to start to make their move? It's hard to say, I know, but is it going to be delayed in comparison to the rest of the country because we're behind still? What, in, t- in terms of making signings? Yeah. There's, there's no point making any signings yet because if there's a second wave, they're paying players that they don't have to. So, in terms of a second wave of coronavirus. So, I can't see much happening at all um, unless it's... because it would be seen as a bit of a gamble because if, if you suddenly bulk up your squad, let's say you get yourself a 20-man squad for next season um, and then there's a second wave and football isn't played again until January you're paying yeah. players when you're already struggling financially so that's that would be the risk but you also have to plan for the season starting again probably in September so it's actually a really tough one That that's actually a, a tough one for all of the the people behind the signings the, the, the money men behind it do they let you go out and spend, or do you just wait? Because e- either one is a risk. I think, like like Tom and Stephen, like you both said there, we should be able, just despite the fact it's our third season in this division, we should be able to go to players and say, look, I tell you what, once this is all, once we know what's happening, we're going to sign you, and we want to sign you, sort of thing. And and I like so so I th- I think. There's no reason why we shouldn't be planning now and see, like what Tom's just done there. There's no reason why we shouldn't have a big list of players. See, that's our first choice. That's our second choice. That's our first, like for each position. And while we might not be able to sign off on them, you would hope, unless okay, maybe like a championship club's in for them or something. We should at least be able to talk to them and say, look, as soon as we get the go the green light on when the season's going to start, like you're our man, sort of thing, and. I think I mean Gareth, you you talked about this earlier in the week. Uh, the noises coming out about what we're going to do were a little bit concerning, weren't they? Well, yeah. I mean, 
there doesn't seem to be any real plan. I mean, I understand, like Tom says, it's difficult to plan, but it does make you nervous when you know people are say, saying things like, "We took a punt." You know, we're taking a punt. It's like that's not really what I want to hear. It's like, especially when like a lot of supporters are calling, you know, the owners chances. It's like you're literally saying you're taking chances. And <laughs> It, it's it doesn't like for the brand it's not great. Um but I under, I understand sort of the situation to an extent but other other clubs are gonna be in the same situation. I can't imagine that you know, they're going they're using the same language like in, in, in their approach. It just doesn't feel like they'll be doing that. It just feels like, you know we're constantly told well not constantly, but we have been told that we're the most professional club at this level of all time or something it's like well it doesn't we don't appear to be um so you know then when obviously we had the discussion about the kind of players to bring in next and I was kind of more in favor of trying to retain more of the more of the players we've we've already got just because of, just because of the the situation because we don't know who's going to be available but they're kind of trying to do a positive spin aren't they where they're saying well there'll be loads of out of contract players I know Tom said well you know we should be able to attract anybody at this level no, the, the good players at this level but you know I think it's not transpired it, that way exactly but I, I, I do take your point though. yeah I think it's, just more, it's more a case of we don't we should only have to as long as we're only up against a League One club, not a Championship club, for a player, as long as we can match what that League One club are offering, which we should, um, we should get them purely because of the the stadium and the training ground because they want that every day. Yeah. But what about Lyle? What about Lyle Taylor? Well, yeah, no, good point. Well, right. Yeah, that, well, that's a fair point. Did we match I, the I, wages? Lyle, did, did we match the wages? I don't know. Uh, I was going to say that I think Lyle, I think Lyle Taylor was a different situation in that the he, we didn't we didn't provide something that is seen as standard in the industry, and I think I think that was the issue. I think I think Mike, I, I I fully agree, Tom. Like we should be able to any player we go in for, as long as we're only up against League One um, clubs, like we we should be still we should still be way ahead of them. My I think my concern is that. <sighs> And again, it goes back years. Is that do are we gonna just sign players on like their individual merit, or are we gonna look at how they're gonna fit into like the team that we that we want to have, like how we want to play, like like. We've been know. asking this question on the podcast for six seasons, Chris. Oh, of every, t- every time a new manager comes in, every time a new director of football or sport director, we have these conversations to say at what point yeah. does whoever is in charge of recruitment say. Where do they fit into our team? What characteristics yeah. do they bring to the team? That's exactly right. But then at the same time, remember, remember, remember Stephen, remember Stephen, and, and, but they tying in with exactly what you're saying, all these people who've got their own opinions as well about what the right thing to do is, remember that, you know, remember when we were Congo in that time, yeah. and he basically slagged off all of our signings in January. This was like a private conversation, basically. <laughs> basically more. said, oh, he's not the kind of, <laughs> yeah, he's not the kind of player we should be signing. He's not the kind of player we should be signing. And then in the summer, he spent like three months trying to sign Fabio Verini. And then sign Jack and, Rodwell. And then sign Jack Rodwell. And but I think this is the point, I, isn't it? Like, some, we need one person or a group of people to say I'll tell you what 
this is this is what the plan is and we don't we, we think this is going to work we don't really give a stuff if people outside disagree this is what because like you say Stephen, every time we change a manager every time we change like somebody recruiting that it all it all goes out the window and I, and I just and I look and again this was something we were told that was going to change and it helped we, we got we got told that no longer are players who don't want to play here gonna come and sign now today there's been a an interview in the athletic with will Grigg where he essentially says to be fair to him he does say look yeah like it was a big opportunity it's someone but he also at the same time says he wasn't that fussed about it he says now that he if he could go back he would have stayed at wigan he says he would love to go back to wigan like how much how much vetting did we do there i think we all know we didn't and and it's a case of like that that was a sign that was done to keep fans happy now at the end of the day it hasn't worked out people say well it could have worked it, it didn't but we didn't we didn't vet him we, we spent way over the odds and we are seeing the repercussions now massively this is one of the reasons why we don't have any money now now what we need to do is again we've said it with like the young players but this is the perfect opportunity to say i'll tell you what we're not going to get relegated so this is what we're going to do this is how we're going to build something and and these are the types of players we're going to try to bring the club these are who uh, say who's you're right you're right but who who says those things who, well no exactly that comes from the top yeah. and we all know what the issue is there that comes Philip from Parkinson the is clearly going to go to whoever is in charge of this and say I want these kind of players. Now, Phil Parkinson, and again, this is an age-old problem, and we've discussed this on the podcast season after season, manager after manager, where his philosophy and way of playing is extremely diff- different to that that Jack Ross had. Yeah, well, Greg said that, so, yeah, didn't he? Greg described it as yeah, horrendous. So, <laughs> like he said, the transition to this new style of play was horrendous, which... It's an extraordinary thing for someone to see who's still under contract. Well, did, did he not mean that in the sense so that... I think he meant the, the results. The results were horrendous. He meant yeah. the form, I think, yeah. But, but, but it's great, still a really extraordinary right. thing to say, mm. given... Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strong word to say. But he, Greg, last summer, was available to go for £1 million. That's how much we wanted for him. The only club that were going to come in were willing to spend 800000 and we said no to the 800,000. Right now, if someone came in with 800,000, we wouldn't be able to believe our luck. Now, yeah. Grig, Grig was, was definitely someone that, as fans, we were very happy with when he signed. It hasn't worked out, and I think it's maybe now gone beyond the stage where it might still work out um, with, with him. In terms of having a, a plan and a sort of philosophy and a transfer strategy, when you mentioned Lee Congerton there, Lee Congerton, I can assure you, had a... Had a, had a strategy in mind and really did know what he was doing. But unfortunately, back then, Ellis, Ellis Shaw, who I, I always defend, actually, he used to change his mind so much. Right? Well, I think let you can Lee, see that. He let Lee Congerton do all this work to get these, th- these top players at a good price. And then Ellis Shaw would intervene. And when he said out chasing Fabio Barini for the whole summer, it was, it was Ellis Short, right? Believe it, the owner, it was Ellis Short that wanted Fabio Barini. And Ellis Short contacted Fabio Barini himself to say, come on, I want you back. And because Barini knew that, Barini was able to get a huge wage because he knew that the owner wanted him over the top of the manager, over the top of the sporting director. Um, 
But, but Congerton actually did have a proper plan in place. It's just that Ellis Short used to change his mind. But that, that, that's some of what we've just said there, really, isn't it? Like Stephen, Stephen highlighted, like, where does it come from? It, it comes from the top. And this, this is the issue like our football club has had for at least half a decade now, in that, truthfully, for most of the last half decade and possibly even a bit longer now, the club's been up for sale. So how on earth do you ever build anything if if the guy at the top priority or at least close to being his priority is to sell up? And and it's something we suffered from, like they said last summer, they said that look, that doesn't make a difference now. We now we know for a fact that nothing happened last summer until the Mark Hamill takeover fell through. Now this summer we like we seem to be in this similar <laughs> we seem to be like in, in a in a similar boat and it's like we're never gonna lay down long term roots if whomever is at the top of the club has no intention of being here for the long term. And I just think look as I keep saying the downside risk isn't as big here but this football club can't survive in this division for too long. Like without somebody plugging massive gaps. And there's still there is still an opportunity there like this this pandemic has actually given them a bit of an opportunity i, I just think i think to be my my opinion is pretty clear on this like it's it's redundant to even talk about the current setup being a success because like to me anyway trust has completely evaporated they've proven with big resources they've proven that they're not up to the job we're now going to have a smaller, smaller amount of resources, and I don't see how anything's going to change. It's going to be a long wait in a game as well, isn't it? Because like we've already discussed, you just think the championship are going to be geared up to go first. They're probably going to be more prepared to have players on pre-contracts or whatever it is, and we're just going to be waiting around here for weeks and weeks and weeks on end, trying to milk two podcasts a week out. <laughs> um, wait, wait, waiting for some, waiting for something to happen. Um, did we discuss John McLaughlin, the John McLaughlin situation yet? No. no. Let's talk about that and then have a little break and then talk about Methvin's comments. Okay. Right. <laughs> not a little, br- not like a literal little break, Tom. I'm not saying like we're just going to go off and like have a bath or whatever. I just mean like <laughs> a break in the context of the podcast. Don't Alex. worry. So I know. <laughs> now. Playing devil's advocate straight away, because we, 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 we'll do that. John McLaughlin has a history of running his contract down and then leaving for free. I think, surprise, surprise, comments made by the owners didn't help this time 12 months ago, or this time last summer, certainly, um, when he said John McLaughlin was worth five million quid and that he wouldn't be, uh, considering, he wouldn't be considering low offers for him. And then we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But um, we all knew when the club released their retained list and they said, we've offered John McLaughlin a contract. That was quite laughable. That was quite cringeworthy, that wasn't it? Because we all knew he was gone. This again goes back to, do they think we're all stupid? Because anyone, like, even if with the day that they said they'd offered him a contract, even if your reaction wasn't, well, it's obvious what they're doing here. Four days later or whatever it was, when he, when they said, Oh, he's off to Rangers. Like, he's literally a minute after we'd said he's not staying with us, he's signed for Rangers. You automatically in your head go, well, hang on a minute. 
there's no way in the world when we offered him this contract the other day we didn't already know that he was out he was off there i think like the the ridiculous thing is like it's it, it's a fact that last summer they were off they were entertaining offers for him and ask and saying to clubs look this is how much how much is how much would you pay for him and they didn't get any bites now that's fine like if that's what they want to do but the problem is when you come out and publicly say he's worth five million quid you can't then be pissed off if that same player says well hang on i'm worth five million quid i'm i'm worth a lot more money than i'm currently on and now i'm not even i'm not even sure how the extent of the negotiations because from what we're going to tell there was an initial chat last august and then there's been pretty much nothing since but it, it's just another example of them getting contract negotiations really quite badly wrong. I think the problem that I've got with it is we all, I think we all expect him to go, as you say. I'm so sick for years now of losing players for free who are actually worth something, yeah. right? If, if you look, I mean, you go all the way back to Craig Gordon, £9 million, he went for free. We've got uh, Stephen Fletcher, £13 million left for free. And Dong, Jilabodji, sacked, right? Like, this time, we've actually... League One, I understand, is different because there's not as much money going around. But this is someone who, if he was under contract, would be worth some money. Yet we've still let him go for free. We've had money problems for years. But we have this big outlay on players. I know McLaughlin was free in the first place. But all those other players I've mentioned, there are loads more. Craig Gardner, another one. And, and we haven't got anything back from them. And it's very, very frustrating. And people, if you look at like Arsenal, they get slated for the way they do it, but we actually do it worse than yeah. they do. And that has to change. And we had a new ownership in League One. It should have changed then. It hasn't changed because, because McLaughlin's been allowed to go for free. Madger was allowed to go because he only had six months left on his contract. Um, Kim, uh, Kimpioka as well, I thought was looked like he had a bit of talent in him. Um, is is going to go because his contract's out. And, and even though this is a lower level, it's still happening at this lower level as it was happening in the Premier League. It's one of the most frustrating things about being a Sunderland fan is that these players are worth money, right? They should be worth money and in some cases cost a lot of money, yet they're leaving for free. It is the Sunderland where? Mm. <laughs> well, I think it all, comes back, it all comes back to a lack, a lack of planning. Doesn't it? I mean, like, see, like you, you said there, Tom. I mean, John McCutton is is worth something. Like, I I think, but people might say, okay, like Burge Burge is as good or marginally worse. But ultimately, the the manager currently preferred John McCutton. Like he he was the one he was the one who was playing well regularly. So, like to me, we've no matter even if, even if it's only a little bit we. we Currently, we're in a position where we've downgraded, and the the issue is, you, even if that's just a small amount, if you keep doing that across the board, you're just going to keep getting worse. I mean, which I think, as last season, the season just finished compared to the season before, has proven we are getting worse across the board. And I just think. Nope. Sorry. As, yeah, as uh, you know, no, just as as Tom's you know said then, it's something we have said on you know recent. You know, well, relatively recent programs. It's 
we just we're just making the same mistakes all over again at a different level. And what you were saying about Barini, um, Tom, and and, and short um, kind of you know reaching out to him and, and filling his head with that, and him sort of obviously having a strength and negotiating position due to that. You know, it's exactly the same in McLaughlin where it was actually at the live show which we hosted in in the um, the black uh, not black cats bar the uh, Queens bar where he's saying you know I'm um, I'm uh, you know well you know won't let him go for five million quid he's worth five million quid or whatever but we haven't offered him a contract yet but you know so those agents going oh great he's yeah. so. You're saying that's an asset worth five million quid. But this is how much his wages are then. And the it's it's absolutely. It's like you can't. It's like they just can't help themselves. But they've been because so they need they need obs- the posture. Donald, Donald in particular, has been so obsessed with seeing what fans want to hear, but then feeling the problem that's that could be okay. But the problem is. When you don't back it up with actual action, then you just dig in your own grave. I mean, like we talked about Mumba earlier, like saying, oh, I'm really looking forward to seeing your development. And now two years down the line, they're selling them just because they can get a fee. Now, the, the problem, seeing, seeing what fans want to hear is only going to work if you back it up with action. Like the, the thing about like thing about agents, like they came in, they made a big play about um, putting the agents in the place, we're not going to get the piss taken out of us anymore. Now, truthfully, it's hard to point to, apart from Dogana Jilabodji, who was stupid enough to not turn up for work and give us an opportunity to sack them. Thank God they did, by the way, because imagine what sort of financial position we'd be, we'd be in now if we hadn't been able to do that. Now, apart from then, can we name like a time when we've come off better in a negotiation with an agent because I can't I mean the magic thing went terribly the, the lad they tried to sign for Reading that summer that first summer which like a uh, lot George of people e- have, George yeah, Evans yeah they, they tried to play went funny to Derby. with him tried to play funny with him and they got absolutely nowhere with it and it's McLaughlin Ta- first, well Taylor you know, Taylor. Taylor's an example of that trying Taylor's to be clever trying, trying to flex aren't they? that's the yeah. thing they're trying to go look come on it's, a, it's almost an arrogant approach to, yeah. to the to the deal in that. I understand where you kind of go. Look, you know, if you want to come here, you've got to. That's the piss. The whole piss taking party thing, isn't it? That's where that comes from. It's like this attitude where it's like, right, you come here, but we're going to make sure that you show us how much you want to come here. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like sometimes footballers are probably thinking, well, I could do that, but at the same time. If this is the this, the front you're presenting to me on our first interaction, is this the kind of place that I want to go and play my football? Well, the, th- the, Lyle, the Lyle Taylor thing is really concerning because you look at the club he went and joined, and if he thought they were being run better than us, what the hell? What the hell was he showing <laughs> yeah. by us? Because they're under the tenth owner this week, aren't they, Charlotte? Yeah, well, exactly. That's what I mean. Like, they, <laughs> like what's go- what's going on there is an absolute disgrace. But he decided that that was, and to be fair, he was proven right. They got promoted, like. But he deci- he decided, and I think he pretty much said actually that he liked the manager here. He liked the setup here. He put it down it to geography as well, though, didn't he? I don't know that he did. I think he did. I'm, I don't know he did. I'm sure I think he we. Did. Said, I think he said I'm he sure we said that. 
I thought yeah, he I think, said. I think we said he wanted to stay in London. Yeah, I'm sure he said the setup was great, the manager was great. There were inverted commas other things that weren't right. Yeah, I'm, because it I'm was, almost it, certain he didn't I, mention. I think he said. I think he said goal bonus. Yeah, I think he was. I think was, he was upset about the goal bonus, and and we said it was obvious he wanted to live in London. Yeah, that's the same thing. <laughs> Dominic yeah. Cummins in charge of negotiations there. <laughs> Let's have a quick break and then we'll we'll have a quick five, ten minutes on Methan's latest, <laughs> latest latest incident and then we'll we'll call it a night because lots of young children about in the different households I think. Okay, we are back now after a little break, and it actually was a little break. We we all went off and potted around and did little bits of bobs, and we're going to talk about potted around. Um, potted around. I meant I went and potted myself a gin. Um, we are going to talk about Charlie Medford. Unfortunately, I, I I was in two minds whether to give this oxygen. To be honest, um, but I, I think but it is. Stephen, it is worth discussion. Stephen, yes. We haven't done the we haven't done the plug. You've just gone straight in, running away. I thought that's what you said too. Right, come on. No, then. You I said, do, you're I said the, you you're... reintroduce it, and then we we'll do the plug. You're do you know what Charlie guy. Meth? Do you know what the colour they don't do um, from the terraces cargo shorts in? <laughs> is it salmon um, pink? Is it... <laughs> <laughs> they don't do them in salmon pink, so Charlie and Methman wouldn't be interested. However, they do a variety of colours of the new from the terraces cargo shorts, um, which you can buy over at from the terraces um, use the code WMS10 for a 10% discount um, and all that talk when we did the live show um, in uh, at the Phantom Brewery um, Tom you also sported the From the Terraces um, gilet I, I had From the Terraces uh, top on so it was I did was I've, very, I've, I've got some stuff from there it's, it's great stuff uh, long sleeve polo uh, and, uh, and the gilet very happy with the stuff from there. I can highly recommend it. Very happy to recommend right. it. There, there you go. go. There is no there is no greater so. endorsement than that. So we can quickly move <laughs> yeah. on and we can talk. We can talk about uh, Charlie Medford again. I, I like I've just touched on that. I didn't. I was in two minds whether to give this any oxygen. To be honest, but um, I think we should just have a little couple of minutes discussion on it. The video was back from April where he was suggesting that. Sutherland fans have demanded that the owners leave. The last five owners, I think he said. Um, and yeah. even referenced yeah. that we wanted Bob Murray to Thousands. leave when we were seventh in the Premier League. <laughs> which is ludicrous, to say the least. <laughs> Any overriding thoughts on this? Is there anything we haven't already said about this guy that we can even to add to this? To be fair, the, it was, it I always was, say... Sorry. So I always say going. with Charlie Methvin is that... Um, it's not even the worst thing he's ever said. That's what you always think about. Whenever you talk about something that Charlie Methvin said, you always kind of go, it's not even the worst thing he's ever said. And so, you know when they have those polls where it's like the most beautiful woman in the world, like an FHM that were like used to be around in the mid-90s? This is what it's like with Charlie. It's like it's a subjective thing. Is it? What is this? What the top 100 worst things that Charlie Methvin's <laughs> ever said? Yeah, it's an um, article. Who's doing the blog? Who's leading that? Art- <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, exactly. So, um, and the, you could probably get 150, to be fair. Um, but, oh, yeah, that's I mean, just the stuff he said. I think it's quite interesting to hear that, that he's actually... It, do, it does sound like, with the exception of whatever sh- shares he has in the club, it does sound like he's not part of it. We saw what Dave Jones tweeted, didn't we, to say that he's actually not on the board. Sometimes these people step back from the board in public, but really, 
they are um, they're still pulling the strings behind the scenes. It does sound like he actually has nothing to do with the club anymore. I think which makes this which that, makes this even more remarkable that he still he still feels he can come out and and say this no, stuff. No, they're they're trying mean, to they're, you know, but it, it's this it's all there's almost a, a decent symmetry to this where he he tried to use the line or the narrative, didn't he? That Sunderland fans were putting off prospective owners of the club by the way we were behaving and yet he's the one who's actually trying to sell a club and yeah and keeps coming I mean, up with this I, tosh i think i think uh tom tom what you've said there's um obviously like dave jones distanced himself from it and and um i think i think well from personal experience i can say that Nathan does still attempt to involve him in himself in certain things since he supposedly stepped away whether that's at the behest of the current owner or not uh, remains to be seen I'm not sure it does but I, I think um, yeah like like you said said, said there Steve to be, to be fair to Charlie I was amazed actually that um, someone who said Phil Parkinson consolidated Colchester in the championship and somebody who called other people uneducated in business when he set up a newspaper that went bust in inside about seven months i was amazed that he might have been loose with the facts but you know everybody gets it wrong every now and then don't they the thing is that that thing i mean the the, the colchester thing that that was bad but, but saying and I, i've not heard him say this but if if he did say that people in the northeast don't understand about business it's actually that is a lot more offensive than than he thinks yeah. i mean i think about i mean like even my dad he started with nothing he was he was a farmer's son. He set up a business um, from from nothing, and it's you know I would I don't know the ins and outs of it, but it, it appears to me a successful business, and it's only based in the northeast. You know, yeah. it's based in in Annick, Walsingham, and I suppose North Yorkshire as well in Beedale, um, and and that's that's from scratch. So that is very offensive to people. Of course, right. it is. who but, and, and it, it's and he, but he won't even realise that is offensive at all. That's that's the problem, though. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I think this like posh southern narrative is like far too easy to fall into. But unfortunately, um, Charlie gives posh southerners a bad name because ultimately, he's very quick. He's very quick to criticise everyone else. He's very quick to, quick. He's very quick to slag off an entire region, which he clearly doesn't understand. In which, by the way, he's clearly become quite pissed at because we haven't actually just rolled over and listened to everything he said. But actually, if you look at his own track record, there's no real success there. Like, I'm pretty sure his, his wealth's inherited, and he's not, he's not a particularly successful guy. So I think I think it's just the the arrogance of him, and I, I think, like you said there, Tom, he doesn't actually realise what he's saying. Like in that clip, what what he's on, what he's saying is factually or... inaccurate. And and he's not going to wear it, and it's like, well, I, th- I think you know when when you're when he did the whole and he was like the whole business club thing, which they started. Obviously, I think it was Tony Davison's um, kind of baby primarily, but Charlie was all over that and doing you know hosting events and stuff. How can you have host a you know some a, start a club at your club called in business that the whole point is to bring local business together in order to kind of essentially trade with each other and, and sort of sort of support each other 
and then at the same time, like months later, tell all of these people that I've bought into it and paid money because it was a, it was about twelve hundred pounds to to um, join in business. So businesses have fought out over a grant to join this business club to basically get basically paying for leads. That was the whole thing. It was like, oh, they were like saying, oh, you can have the use of our facilities and all this. But essentially, it was lead generation. So you pay twelve hundred quid, you get the prestige of like saying you're in the in business club in Sunderland. But essentially, we're going to connect you with all these other businesses who are in the business club. For him, then months later, to come out and start saying, you know, well. Let's be honest, Chris. We know it wasn't months later when he came out and said those comments. Um, but well before. Well before. Well, before, he, he said what he said well before um, it came out. It was probably even in the, probably even about two months after that in business club started. So, you know, he he's saying you know people in the northeast are incredibly uneducated in business. It just goes to show that this per these people and this person has zero respect for. For, for the customer, you know, for, for the for the people in the area, and it it just goes to show that these people have basically have manipulated us to the point where they can't get anything out of it anymore. And now, and now we can happily go on some YouTube channel and start laugh like audibly. It was the laugh. Laughing. It was the it was the laugh after he said us, after right. he said they wanted to get rid of the one of their owners even after they finished seventh in the Premier League. And it was the about, laugh. It was the laugh after could, that that really, really the most, my Could could the he most could he name those five ex owners though? Could could he could he know? I mean, would he even know that Sir Tom Cowie was yeah. ever the owner of, of Sunderland? Could could he name those? Could he name those owners? The thing, no, of course he couldn't. And the thing as well is, it's laughable that he thinks that Sir Bob Murray would lean to him and go, "Oh, don't worry about it. They were doing this to me when we were seventh. When if you look. At Sir Bob Murray's utterances in the press over recent months, I'm pretty sure Charlie's not like on a speed dial. I'm pretty sure he's not, he's not getting in touch with them saying, "Ah, oh, don't worry about it," because Bob Murray came out and basically said it's a disgrace what's going on, and he, he's very saddened by what's going on. It's just it's another case. Well, of... that was that. By the way, that was great. That he, he obviously like Bob Murray absolutely seen them off at that foundation like dinner thing where it's like obviously like they're in the audience like sitting there sort of laughing it all <laughs> up and then he, he's on the stage going you're shit basically which was you know <laughs> fair is, play to him like this is the scary thing though this this is the scary thing like like the it it is as if if sorry I, I, I'm saying they but let, we'll, we'll keep it to Charlie Murphy it is as if he feels like he can see anything and no matter what's gone before and no matter the evidence to the contrary, that has to be true. And the, the, the problem with him coming out and saying stuff like he did on that YouTube channel is somebody somebody tunes into that and they have no reason to believe that it's not truthful. Just yeah. like when people tune into the Netflix documentary and, let's be honest, the staff at the club got hung out to dry there to, to do nothing than to assuage his ego. And the fact of the matter is there's a hell of a lot of people who worked very hard at the football club, who, quite frankly, probably thought it was a really difficult task to work with people like him. It's, it's just another example of this guy trying to paint himself as something he isn't. I mean, obviously, Tom, you're working with people every day who are, you know, working in football and you'll talk about your teams. What is the perception of, of Sunderland as a club within, obviously, within the building? Obviously, there's you and... 
Dave Jones who were there, so he may be more vocal. There's, on, there's only the ever club, there's only ever Tom there. Whenever I turn it on, there's only Tom there. I think <laughs> during this lockdown. <laughs> There's, when, when people talk to me about Sunderland, it's honestly, it is all sympathy. Always, it is. It is always like, oh, God. Like, because they are, they've seen, when was the last time we had a season that we really enjoyed? Now, admittedly, last season, 2018-19, most of it I was loving. But it still ended in heartache. And there's also the Checker Trade Trophy final to throw in there as well. All right. So even a season that had more positives than negatives ended up with a negative that outweighed the whole lot. Right. Then there was the back-to-back relegations. All the seasons before that in the Premier League, it was like it was all negative. Then we'd stay up, and that positive outweighed the negatives. But again, the whole season was negative. Like they, it is all just sympathy, and they know how how passionate I am about something, how it kind of really. Uh, I, I'm far too old for this for it to affect my mood, but. I can't help it. It affects my mood so much, right? And on Saturdays, people get... I go on air at 6pm every Saturday after Sunderland have played. <laughs> and it is... Unless I've booked it off on holiday to go to a game. And it's just like I'm moping around the place and I've got to go on air and pretend that, you know, everything's fine. It's absolute hell. So the, 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 the thoughts around Sunderland at the moment at work is like sympathy to, towards Sunderland fans... They've all loved the Netflix documentary and decided they really like Sunderland fans, but also see the club as something to actually laugh at, and and that's the hardest thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna ask you for your secret there. I thought you were about to say that you're too old to let it affect your mood, and that it doesn't. But then you said it does. So um, <laughs> there's no secret. There's no secret to it, and we can't get away from it. Right. Conscious of the time now. Anybody else got anything to add? Uh, before we before we go, well, you, people should no, um, check out the, the from the terraces podcast. No, no there's the no silence, Stephen. It's just genius. delay. There's no awkward silence. I'm talking, Stephen. Can you hear yeah, me? All right, okay, fair enough. Fair, what, what do you mean? What do you, I'm right. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Mm. Me talking is not silence. That's, that's quite the opposite. I did. I'm saying you should check out the from the terraces podcast. That didn't work. Uh, I know what you're trying to do now, but it didn't um, work. Right. Yeah, you should do, yes. Yeah, this is going to ruin the end of the podcast, Stephen, because there's probably a delay on the video that's going to ruin this. And I'm like, I can't be bothered editing it out. So. <laughs> I just, I was just letting you talk. I could see your mouth moving, but I couldn't say hear any sound coming through because the connection's obviously okay. going down. Okay. Right, well, well on that okay. bombshell. I'd like to thank Tom for coming on. It's, I know it's, it's been a long time coming, Tom. We've, yeah, we, it's been thank a long you. time coming. We've just it, never it, been able to sort it out. Um, but it, it is my pleasure, always a pleasure. I, 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 I am a fan of the way when I first came in and then we just started talking nonsense for about 30 seconds, how you used your broadcast experience to just move the conversation on and bring it back to football. <laughs> I did notice that. I did notice that and I was impressed by it. Um, so thanks for coming along and thank you all for listening. Thank <laughs> you.